Welcome to Almost an Hour with Henrik Stenson. Henrik, we are back to recap two interesting weeks on the PGA Tour, plus one thing that if gambling were legal, I've discovered the ultimate way to make money uh, betting on the PGA Tour. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to hear that. Well, all you have to do, Henrik, is bet whoever you play with in the first two rounds to win. Because, fact, PGA Championship, who'd you play with in the first two rounds? Colin Morikawa. Who'd you play with in uh, the most recent Sanderson tournament in Farms. Mississippi? I played with, yeah, Sergio last week, and he won. Do you understand how valuable this is to everybody? I mean, I've literally, uh, I mean, I, I'm probably just going to bet everything I own. Uh, on whoever you are paired with in your next event, because it seems to be this is more than 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 just dumb luck. This seems to be what are you doing to get people to win who who, who play with you? Well, if I if I knew that, I would keep that to myself, shouldn't I? And I would think. Uh, uh, one little piece of advice though going forward there, Jeff. Uh, you know, I'm playing with more than just one player, so obviously, if you would have gone all in on on these other guys. Uh, well, no, yo, you, you definitely you have to split the bet on everybody you're playing with. But again, betting out of two players in the entire field is a lot better than betting on you know 140 plus. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, yeah. Uh, let us know how how that works out. Uh, okay, if it I'll was legal, you. obviously. If it was legal, I'll update you. All right, Henrik, we got a couple things to get through. Um, you're back home uh, after two weeks on the PGA Tour. Let's start uh, talking about uh, the Dominican. What were what were some of the positives? Uh, that you took out of there and and what was it like playing a golf course you hadn't seen before it was first of all uh one one big positive was that we survived the the heat and humidity down there it was extremely hot so there were there were a lot of guys uh borderline melting especially on that thursday morning i think uh it was uh, it was yeah about 100 fahrenheit it was 36 uh, celsius in the car uh, driving back and forth between the the range and the uh, and the first tee, and uh, it was it was pretty uh, pretty warm conditions to say the least. But it was it was nice. It was the first trip to Dominican Republic. It was a, a resort course, uh, both eight and nine, uh, and seventeen and eighteen, kind of finished by the waters. It was some some spectacular views on on both the nines coming into to the finish and. Uh, yeah, I mean the uh, the golf course uh, was a mix of some easier holes uh, to try and take advantage and birdie, and then it certainly had a couple of challenging holes as well. And especially when the wind came up uh, later on in the week, uh, there were a tricky tee shot on eighteen at times, and and uh, and a few other par threes were really long and, and tricky too. So it was uh, it was a pretty nice course to play, and uh, uh, you know I played. Uh, played half decent. I finished uh, right around twentieth. Uh, of course, I, I was hoping for a little bit better than that, but uh, all in all, a, a half decent week, I guess. And um, yeah, it was uh, you know big congratulations to to Hudson for for uh, for coming back into the winner's circle there. I, I know, uh, and I read some of his uh, uh, comments afterwards. You know, long and hard. Uh, tough times and, and been fighting a long time to get his game back and, and um, of course uh, great to see him uh, back winning there and, and getting getting rewarded for, for all the hard work put in Do you root for other players when you, when, when you know you're, you're kind of going to finish around that 20th position do you 
do you kind of stick around and watch, especially someone like like Hudson who has such a unique story and kind of some struggles, or is it just one of those you're kind of wrapped up in your own world and after it happens, you're like, oh, that was cool he won, or, or, or are you kind of conscious of what's going on? Yeah, no, I just, uh, I mean, I don't know him super well, but I've uh, obviously played with him and then seen him out on tour for, for quite some time. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I just saw him earlier in the week as well. And, and he had a you know a quick start to the to the tournament and was playing well early and uh, yeah just gave him a thumbs up and said keep it going and things like that and um, yeah I mean you you always you always gonna 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 like when when someone that's been been tested and and uh, and had to you know go through some tough times when they succeed I've I've done that myself over the years and I think it's uh, it's always it's always great to be rewarded for for the hard work. For sure, for sure. All right. Um, what about playing back to back weeks? Because you hadn't done that in a while. What was uh, what was that kind of like? Well, it was three weeks in a row. There played the U.S. Open. Uh, was a short week, uh, missing the cuts, and then flew down to Dominican, played there, and stopped uh, stopped in Orlando on the way up to to Mississippi and. Uh, Unfortunately, it turned out to be a short week for me in Mississippi as well. So uh, certainly disappointing last week not to not to play better. And um, I mean, missing the cut is always kind of the the uh, I guess the the low watermark for the week. I mean, not saying that if I would have scraped by on on three under par and 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 finished fifty uh, ninth, that that I would have been sitting here bouncing up and down. Uh, telling you about what a great week I had on the golf course. But, yeah, missing the cut, never going to make you feel good about your game. And uh, I guess Mississippi was no different. So uh, left there uh, with, uh, with, a, with at least a couple of minutes of, of vacant stare into, uh, into the distance when I drove to the airport. So, uh, uh, yeah, we've got we to gotta pick up the game. I mean, that's ultimately what it's about. It's about performing on the golf course and... Uh, we're clearly not playing well enough to to be competitive at the highest level. So I gotta gotta put some some hard work in, and uh, and get this uh, get this show on the road again. Yeah. So so describe that to me because that was where I was gonna uh, go next. Is is what what are you and Pete Cowan gonna be working on? My spies are saying something maybe with spin on irons or something you're looking at. Um, my spies have been right once before; they've been wrong many other times. But what, what yeah, specifically well, are you they're, they're pretty, work on? They're pretty, uh, pretty accurate on, on this instance. I mean, I've played the, the Legacy Black now since 2013. Uh, they got a, a tight groove pattern on, on those uh, irons, and, and they're really made up to, to produce uh, that bit of extra spin. And in general terms, I'm not really one that needs that, but uh, they've, been, they've been a great club for me. I've been working well. Uh, but I'm I'm certainly high on on the spin number. So, uh, as a general number, if you hit a six iron, you're looking at about six thousand RPMs on on a six iron. That's kind of a ballpark number for for most guys. But I'm I'm roughly one thousand higher on on everything, and sometimes even a little bit more. So, uh, given that those irons have worked for me for a long time, uh, I'm I'm certainly. Uh, looking at it as as me not delivering the club in the same way and and that being a big reason but also if I could get a little bit of help with with a different shaft or a, a slightly different groove pattern if that could bring it down so I have a 
a prototype set here that Callaway... Don't Callaway, say what uh, they are. Do not say no, what they are. We will be I'm in trouble. I'm not going to say. Okay. Uh, but they're Callaways. I can say that, right? You, you should say that because they are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they built those up a little while back for me. And uh, uh, now I put some different shafts in those ones. And I will be trying them out to just... Uh, just to see if I can get the spin rate down a little bit and, and give myself uh, a little bit more of an efficient ball flight on, on the iron. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, testing goes and uh, also what, what other uh, clubs uh, Keller we've got in the pipeline going forward here. Uh, we, we're kind of heading in towards the end of the year and we, we know there's always going to be some, some new exciting products to try out at the end of this year or early next year. So uh, I'm sure we can dig into that in, in future podcasts and, and discuss a little bit about what, what new equipment's coming out. But uh, that's certainly one thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I haven't seen my, my team as uh, frequently as I would do normally either. That's a little bit of a of the downside, I guess, with this uh, situation that we're in with the travel and and uh, less golf and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, more more video calls and, and films being sent overseas and both on putting and uh, swinging the golf club and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, we better better just uh, keep our head down and, and keep working away because uh, I'm certainly not playing to the standard that I want to play at the moment. And, and the only thing that's going to change that is hard work and, and um, putting the hours in. So how does that affect um, your schedule going forward? Would you consider adding an event or two, because I did notice that there's some West Coast events, um, and, and I'm pretty sure you're not playing them because of me being on the West Coast. But are there other reasons why you perhaps would would consider maybe adding one of those? Well, if uh, if they would have been played in San Diego, you know, I wouldn't have played them for sure uh, for that reason. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, me playing three weeks in a row here, I could have played uh, the first tournament in Vegas this week. Uh, absolutely, to go uh, to go four in a row, that would have been one option. But uh, uh, the the main the main thing here is that you got CJ Cup in Vegas in two weeks' time and the SoSo Championship, and they're all based on this year's FedEx Cup uh, Correct. Uh, ranking. So I'm I'm not in in those fields they have a few invitations i asked for one for cj cup but uh, they had already handed out uh, those uh, few limited spots so uh, yeah basically you didn't, I get you didn't into, consider you didn't consider like going to someone's mailbox and like taking their invitation and then like just showing up at the party with it be like no i got one here it is well i mean can you do that for weddings and all sorts as well you can i think so it's just, i mean there there's you know wedding crashers it's it's kind of been a movie it, it's been done before uh, yeah, no one's C- ever done CJ CJ Cup CJ crash. Cup crasher. Just, yeah, just Show showing up. up and and push someone off the tee box and say I'm playing at nine fifteen. You don't have to do that. Just show up and be like, yeah, this is my tee time, and kind of stare mm-hmm. at them. And and especially if you give them that same stare, you probably had Friday afternoon uh, on the way to the airport. They'll probably get out. <laughs> no, of that your was way. more just a vacant stare. It wasn't the intimidating oh. one. It was just like, ah, oh, that that was poor. That was no good at all. No so bueno. Then, no bueno. So then when, <laughs> when will we see you back uh, playing in, in, in an event then? Yeah, so my original plan was to go and play Bermuda, uh, pass on Houston, and then play Masters Sea Island. But I'm not sure now. I might, I might play Houston instead of Bermuda. There's so, so on the schedule, you have to bear with me. I, I'm a little bit up in the air at the moment, uh, which is very unlike me. I'm, I normally got everything pinned down and, 
and planned here for four to six months in advance. Uh, so uh, for once, we kind of have a few a few different options, and I haven't really figured out which one I'm going to take as of yet. But it, it'd be either either Bermuda Championship or Houston, and then uh, Masters, obviously for sure, and then uh, Sea Island the week after as well. Do you like playing the week before a major, or is that something where it's just kind of hit or miss? I mean, we have seen in the past that Houston has is, is been known as great prep uh, for Augusta National, the way that they prepare the golf course, but then it's not the same as being at home and being able to work on specific things because you're playing in an event. What, what, which way do you prefer? I think uh, out of a playing perspective, it's, it's certainly better to play the week before, uh, but then there's, there's some other things to weigh in as well. And, and like you say, Houston's been a great prep many years, being the week before Augusta there, right at the end of March, early April. Uh, but then we played the same grass. That's the, that's the one thing now. It's going to be played at a different golf course uh, in closer to the city in Houston, but it's, uh, it's Bermuda grass uh, uh, compared to, to playing overseeded in, in the springtime. So you're not going to have the same grass that you will play at, a, at, uh, at Augusta. On, on, on the other end, when I'm home practicing, I'm going to be practicing on Bermuda anyway. So I'm not going to have the have the uh, the same kind of conditions that we have up in in Georgia anyway. So on that end, uh, I'm favoring playing a little bit more. But I still kind of liked after having three weeks off to have Bermuda as a bit of a soft start up and and get some rounds in and and then be able to go home and kind of fine tune a little bit and and. Uh, the great thing here at Lake Nona is that the the greenkeeping staff they're, they're always very accommodating and and they can they can really double cut and roll the greens and make them extremely quick for us here the the week before Augusta. So um, that's that's another advantage that I can have and and uh, even though I presume we're going to have pretty quick greens in, in Houston, uh, you you can never guarantee that either. So uh, yeah, there's a few different things to to weigh in and uh, yeah I'm, I just haven't made that decision yet I was I was hoping to come back from Mississippi with a good tournament and and kind of stick into my plan but uh, as, of, as of now I'm not sure I'm sure the 15 to 20 handicappers must love all you tour pros the week before the Masters if you're double cutting greens for them they're probably not even able to keep the ball on the planet well it's not it's not so much out on the golf course it's, it's kind of the pro side uh, down no. the far end of the range we have a putting green, so that's the one that they would uh, they would really speed up. Yeah, I mean that we that would be a tough challenge for all the membership if uh, if yeah. <laughs> double cut and roll them got into fourteen here. There'd be three yeah. and four putting for fun. Yeah, at least at least three or four putting. It'd be like twenty five feet. Good, good. Moving on. All right. Well, uh, I would love to hear your opinions at home as to which events Henrik should play, and maybe he'll listen. Uh, we actually have another <laughs> no opportunity. Listening. You might. Uh, we have another I'm, I'm opportunity not even later listening to myself. Well, you got to listen to someone. I, the problem is because you keep hearing an echo. Uh, anyway, um, we are going to use your social channels right now to answer your questions. It's time for Ask the Iceman. Free t-shirts coming for the following four people who got their questions answered. And then a little bit later, Henrik, uh, I'll just tease it. During our tour story, we're going to do something a little different, and you have a chance to win a, uh, win a driver. So um, that's pretty yeah. exciting. You don't have a chance to win a driver. The person listening at home has a chance to win a driver. Okay, okay. Yeah, the other thing I heard about your intense practice resume is I heard you're flying in a different consultant on Thursday to uh, help to kind of look at the game and maybe kind of kickstart it a little bit too. So I'm sure that's going to work out well. <laughs> 
I guess not. All right. This is a question. I do not know how to pronounce this. So this is someone from Sweden. E-O-I-N. How would we say that? Eon. Eon. But I would spell Eon E-O-N. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't I don't have the the transcript in front of me, so I don't Okay. Well it's it's Eon Murphy. Uh why does Sweden have such an impressive conveyor belt of golf pros on tour? Its climate isn't conducive to the game. Is there really good developmental program in the country to develop young players? And is it easy to take up golf in Sweden for someone of any income? Great question. Yeah, very good question. And it's not the first time I've been I've been asked that question. Um I mean, I, I, our season in in Sweden, if we take it more as a, as a general, uh, it's a pretty long and tall country, and we got slightly different climates depending on where you where you're living in Sweden. But if if you're in the southern part, you play golf kind of between April and and October, and and I think that goes for maybe New York and Boston and a lot of more northern states. Uh, in the U.S. and uh, and and some other other parts of the world too. So it's like it's not a super long season, absolutely, but it's not super short either. And if you're keen golfer, you probably squeeze uh, uh, some golf in, in 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 March and and so on as well. As a young as a youngster, I didn't feel like it was a big negative to have a couple of months off. I think that really. Uh, gives you a chance to be hungry and and you can you can work on on some things away from from playing outdoors as well we we had indoor practice and and you can putt inside and you know but but more than anything uh, we were we were doing other things for a couple of months and then we were really all in for the six seven months of of golf that was ahead of us so i think uh, at times that almost been an advantage compared to being in a warm climate where you can play every day because if it's there for you every day, you're more likely to be, oh, I'll, I'll skip a day or, or a couple of days because it's still there. But when you're, when you're growing up in Sweden, you wanted to make the most out of the summer. So we played every day and practiced every day. So uh, it, it just changes uh, things around a little bit and gets a bit more intense, I think. Uh, in terms of uh, producing uh, good players that, that makes it all, all the way out on tour, I mean, from club level to regional level to national level, there's always a next step, both in in terms of uh, competition uh, and, and when you get to the to the higher uh, levels. You got national team, you get educatement, uh, you, you get the education in in much more than just playing golf. Uh, when when you make it onto the Onto the amateur teams and and so on. I mean, we got got education in 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 uh, in nutrition, in fitness, in uh, strategy, uh, mentally. Uh, I mean, a lot of different things. So it's really it's really uh, a good program uh, on, on the higher amateur levels. And there's always the next step for you to to take when you when you kind of becoming good at a club. You can you can play against the the best play regionally, and then you can move on nationally, and and eventually, uh, you hopefully make it out on out on tour. So it's it's certainly a good good development uh, program, and uh, also to attract a lot of juniors, it is a, a quite affordable to to play golf in Sweden. Uh, lots of golf clubs, uh, most of them very much uh, 
just a small clubhouse, 800, maybe 1,000 members and, and very reasonable membership dues to, to play the game. And uh, I, I think when I started, this is a long time ago now, but late 80s, I think, I think it was 150 or 200 bucks junior membership at the club where I started playing. Uh, would be, of course, more now, but still still pretty affordable and, and uh, get a set of used clubs uh, is not going to cost you too much either. So all in all, I think it's, it's quite easy to stop playing the game. And, and that's certainly been one reason why we uh, why we had so many juniors. And if you have a lot of juniors, you're eventually going to get a lot of a lot of pros coming out of that too. So, uh, yeah, I hope that, that answers most of, of those questions. Yeah, you did a great job with that one. Next one's from Phil McIver, which means if we need something to fix it, we can just ask MacGyver. Uh, Henrik, what are your goals <laughs> now? And what continues to motivate you given you've won a major and multiple Ryder Cups? Yeah, well, playing in uh, playing in more Ryder Cups is certainly one motivator. I... Uh, I've had some of my best experiences on the golf course uh, on those Ryder Cup teams. So uh, I don't feel like I'm done with that. I'd, I'd love to play another one. And who knows, one day we might be able to captain a, a Ryder Cup team as well. Uh, giving myself uh, a couple of looks at winning another major, that, that'd be awesome. I mean, that's uh, that would be, I guess, the the ultimate thing uh, where I'm sitting right at the moment, that would be to get my hands on another major championship. Uh, but again, winning never gets old. Uh, it's a very special feeling to win uh, out on tour. You, you're teeing it up against so many good players every week. And, and when you finally stand there and, and lift the trophy, it's, uh, it's quite special. So um, that, that feeling, we, we certainly uh, like to feel that a few more times. And uh, and then just uh, golf is a game. You never get finished with it. There's always room for improvement. There's always things to work on. So, And I still enjoy that, going down into to a bunker or give myself a hard pitch and stand there and work on that until you, until you execute and hit it the way you want to. So I, I still enjoy my practice and, and spending time out there. And I've always been a hard worker. So, uh, yeah, still, still putting the hours in. All right, this next question, uh, you better be on your toes because this is not an easy one. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, but here's the question. School de Kona spela bogey golf merit van stert pa normosvar golfbana. Now, would you like me to translate that for you? Yeah, actually, uh, you did pretty good there. So it's, it says if, I'm, uh, if I, if I uh, think that I can play bogey golf, shoot like a 90 score with a, with yeah. a left-handed set on, a, on a, just a normal... Yeah, uh, golf course. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's touch and go. I'd say I, I'd like to think I can do it, but I'm I'm not sure if I will if I will succeed. It'd be it'd be a tight one. Let me and ask you. Maybe this. that'd be something to uh, to try out to play nine holes with a with a lefty set and and see what I can do. I would settle for three holes because I think I think you know after the, after three holes I think we'd have enough of a sample size. Um, but when you when you break a club over your knee because I know you're pretty skilled at this, if if the club is a left-handed club, then you'd be wearing a glove on the other hand. Would that affect your technique of breaking the club? Where now that the club head would be on the other, you know, pointing the other direction? Would you? How, how would you? That's really the question people want to know. I think uh, I think I would have to switch legs. Well, yeah, obviously. 
Yeah. Do you think that would be would that be a big impediment to this 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 challenge? Because I think a three hole lefty challenge is probably in order. And obviously, you don't think I can play bogey golf because you see some you see some club snaps here with the. Well, all you do uh, is make in, pars. In the futures, you obviously don't believe we're going to shoot yeah. uh, that good of a score. Well, but all, right, all you right, do I'll is make pars. I, okay, I was more impressed with my reading of, uh, of Swedish there. Yeah, uh, Neil Thompson, well. Neil Thompson, thank you for having an easy name for me to pronounce. Who was the best player you played with that never, never fulfilled potential? Ooh, that was a, that was a hard one. I, I actually yeah. uh, read through that earlier and... I guess it's, it comes down to, I mean, what are we talking about? Are we talking about good amateur players that never really made it as a pro? Or are we talking about some good pros that, you know... I think it's any way you want to take it. I mean, you know, do, yeah, do you look at someone... But, but there's, a, there's a lot of different kind of levels. And, yeah. and there's also uh, what is fulfilling potential uh, in that sense. Right. Uh, you know, I skimmed through it and, and uh, try to come up to uh, to a few things I mean just looking back when I when I played my last couple of years as as amateur there were two Scottish players that were that were really um, uh, talented and one was uh, Stephen Gallagher mm-hmm. um, and oh my gosh the other one was so talented you can't even think of his name yeah, I'm just drawing a blank. Is it's uh, Gordon? Uh, oh, hold on. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Hold on, I'm going to help you here. I need help. He, I remember him. He He's, was. Uh, he he played on the Walker Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. This is really exciting uh, audio for everybody at home. As, I think as we can we, cut this part out. What we're doing right now was right? it Gordon Gordon Sherry? Yeah. Gordon Sherry. So we, we can we? Are we we're not going to let people listen to uh, to? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was actually pretty good audio, and I get the credit then for for okay. determining right. who's. Yeah, yeah. It's we'll, like we'll I'm inside your credit. head. Yeah, you you are inside my head. <laughs> Gordon scary. Sherry. Everyone thought he was going to yeah. be because remember he won the British Amateur. He won the British Amateur. He would have played at Augusta and yeah, and, and so on. But then they both turned professional and. Stephen Gallagher has certainly been, been uh, you know, winning, I don't know exactly how many times, but probably four or five times on the European Tour and, and played mm-hmm. on the Ryder Cup team in, in Scotland in 2014 uh, and, and so on. But uh, Gordon Sherry played a few years on, on I guess, on the, on the Challenge Tour and then maybe a couple yeah. of years on the European Tour and then kind of vanished. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it just shows you that it's, it, it's a hard game and... And it's hard to to predict what's going to happen in in the future with that because he was certainly the most talented player I think they they had in Britain yeah. at the time, and uh, he, he never he never got to where he wanted to, and uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just hard to hard to uh, to figure it out sometimes. And then if we're talking on the on the on the professional circuits. Um, I mean, a friend of mine, Charles Howell III, has been a fantastic player for 20-odd years on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour. Uh, but he, he just hasn't been able to get as, as many wins as most people would have thought he, he, he would have over the course of of his career. So, uh, you know, is it what, what, what the, why is that and, and what does it come down to? Um, 
it, it's just uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to figure it out at times. But that would yeah, that would that would be someone that that I think people in general would have thought uh, should have won more tournaments than than he has. And again, are we talking major champ? We always have this list of. The best, yeah, best player yeah, never to win a major. Never to win a major. And we obviously got Colin Montgomery on that list. Uh, you would have uh, Lee Westwood, Luke Donald, um, a few of my fellow Europeans that, that has had you know yeah. great careers, won so many tournaments, world number ones and, and whatnot, but, uh, but didn't manage to win that. And is that kind of make or break your career um, I don't think so but it's uh, it's certainly certainly that one thing that, that kind of spice it up uh, even more yeah, it gives, so it gives uh, the media something to write about four times a year yeah that that too uh, but I don't know who's the hot, hottest player on on that list at the moment and that would be would that be uh, John Rahm or I mean it's, it's see that's that's where the argument goes sideways to me because you know, Lee Westwood has been such a great player for so many years, but but look, he's a little bit up there in age. Um, where John Rahm, you know, has you'd like to think has twenty more years of trying to win majors. You know, yeah. which one's better not to win a major? Yes, you know, one is currently you know just off of of the top three in the world, and the other one's down a little bit further. It's I always find that argument ridiculous. And yeah, um, yeah, it's hard you know, to it's, it's not really it's, apples with apples. Yeah, the only other name that came to mind for me when I read um, Neil's question is uh, Ty Tryon. And I'm not sure if you played in, in Honda or Tampa the year, you know, what was he, 14 or 15 years old making a cut? And everyone's like, oh, this is the next the next guy. And, um, you know, never yeah. even made it to the tour. Uh, I, I would think that would be more frustrating to me than someone who has a great career. And, yeah, maybe they didn't win as much as you thought they would. But, you know, uh, I, I would take Charles Howell's career. I would take it in a heartbeat. That's a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. Well, I think his nickname is ATM, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely. A lot of people who play against me on the golf course call me that as well. Since I'm just talking about, uh, <laughs> for a very much different reason. <laughs> very much different reason. All right, let's uh, get to our video, uh, and then we have a little special message from uh, from from someone else. But this this was this blew my mind. Um, so this is this is uh, Sergio, and uh, just take us through what you see here. I mean, he's putting with his eyes closed. Sergio's mind, all he's seen yeah. is a picture of says, be the ball. Na, 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 Have you ever you tried playing with Sergio? Have you seen I have seen Caddyshack. Is a picture of the target. I'm just trying not to step on your audio, so uh, your 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 social post will just be you and not having a voice on Do you ever putt with your eyes closed when you struggle with it? I haven't really done it... I haven't done it on on the golf course. I've practiced with my eyes closed. Absolutely, I mean I've hit shots with my eyes closed, but I've I've practiced um, uh, at times to to just see what where where do do I stand with with my stroke. So if I'm on my putting templates and I'm hitting hitting my start lines and hitting balls through mm-hmm. the the gate, I would hit then sh- uh, putts with my eyes closed to see if I do the same with my with my eyes closed as, as when I got my eyes open because, I mean, it is, it is uh, a difference and, and your steering will certainly go more internal rather than when you're looking. Uh, there's always a chance that you're going to manipulate one way or the other to try and, you know, make the putter go where you want it to go. So, uh, but I haven't, uh, I haven't done it when, I, um, when I've been playing tournaments. Uh, so it's been more of a practice kind of checkpoint for me 
Uh, one thing that I did try at times, that was actually looking at the target. So I would mm-hmm. set up and look at the targets uh, when I'm putting. And I tried that at some tournaments as well. And uh, it's probably more that you feel by doing that, that you, you kind of change your setup a little bit. You know, your head gets in a different direction and, and all of that. So, um, but most other sports, or virtually all other sports, you're always looking at where you want to shoot the puck or shoot the basketball or throw the baseball or whatever it is. You're not, you're not really looking somewhere else. You're not looking no. down at the ball when, you, when you're going right. to do it. So everything else is kind of target orientated and, and golf, we, we're staring at the ball instead. So, uh, which, uh, which certainly can, can, uh, can become a, a problem and, and a hindrance. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. the, I, I know that Sergio's done that, and and like we said earlier, we, I played with him the first two days. He he drove the ball fantastic off the tee, uh, pretty solid iron play, and uh, yeah, he made he made his fair share of putts uh, over the first two days, and and that would have certainly continued uh, over the week. And so uh, yeah, very well done, and congrats to him for for winning the the Sanderson Farms uh, Championship. You didn't get tempted at one point, like as you're standing over a putt with his eyes closed, just yelling like, open your eyes, Sergio, or like, you know, duck or something like that, you know, because like, what if something's coming at him, he wouldn't be able to see it? Uh, no, I think I'll leave him to that. And if anything, I probably should have shut my own eyes uh, on a few other putts because I didn't make, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't make shit. <laughs> so right. maybe well. I should have shut my eyes. All right. well, maybe uh, yeah, that's I something, should've... maybe with, with your new practice coach on Thursday, you can practice this. All right, let me yeah, do this read. Okay. This is uh, this is very important stuff here, Henrik. We have something extra special for you this week. Not you, Henrik, the people listening. The chance to win a Hugo Boss polo, cap, also known as a hat, and a pair of Henrik Stenson eyewear. To enter, tweet Henrik using the hashtag BossingItUp, B-O-S-S-I-N-G, it up, with your best swing video while wearing a Hugo Boss item of clothing. On the very next episode of this podcast, Two weeks from when you're listening to this, or maybe less, Henrik will announce the lucky winner himself, and the prize will be all yours. Good luck. Oh, That's pretty exciting. great. Yeah, absolutely. No, they don't have to be wearing your particular clothes. They just have to be wearing some type of Hugo Boss item. All right. So back home and pull something out of the closet and, and out yeah. uh, swinging away like a, like a mad axeman, and uh, we'll yeah. see who the winner is. Well, I just... I just didn't want people to think they had to like go to your house and like try to steal a shirt or something to be able to do this. You in fact can enter it by having your own clothing. All right. Um, moving good. on. What's, what's it going to be like? I, I know you're not playing in Vegas, but the tour is moving to Vegas. Um, what's it like when you transfer like completely different climates? I mean, you've done it when you've played in Dubai and then you come over to the United States to play in a golf, like, like when the, when, when you're literally going to a whole nother climate, how does that affect you guys? Whether it's altitude, not altitude, desert golf versus parkland golf. Does it matter? Uh, it, it can certainly matter. Uh, then I don't think you want to you want to paint the picture of it being a bigger thing than than it is either. I think the the surfaces are always going to be the the biggest difference. Uh, of course, altitude. I, I I probably raised that one as as one of one of the bigger factors that that can that can come into play though because it, it, the ball will travel so much differently and and uh, you certainly got to get used to used to the numbers again if you're either going up or down on, on a big altitude. So um, uh, I think the, the biggest difference is just getting familiar with the, 
with the conditions uh, for this week's play here in, in Vegas, I haven't played any of these golf courses that they're going to play these next couple of weeks. So uh, I'm not really one to, to ask kind of how they play and, and what to expect. But uh, that's, that's why I have a few days to, to get used to the sand in the bunkers, the speed of the greens, the firmness, the rough around the greens. And that, that's really what the prep work is, is about uh, when you're out there those two to three days before you start playing again that, that's to to get familiarized with the with the conditions and uh, then of course you got to draw up a game plan and how you think you should play the the golf course the best way suited for for your game and uh, and then off you go on the next thursday so uh, but it, it, it will be a little bit different uh, i think it could be certainly uh, if um, if you you want that that into the fantasy golf or you like to put a a couple of bucks on uh, on uh, on who's going to win the tournament i mean i would i would certainly look into to see who who lives out there and who would have played on these golf courses uh, both in practice and and who's done well in the in, in those in the tournaments uh, uh in previous years uh, so i mean there, there's always some some groundwork to be done if you want to try and be ahead of the game all right. Well, I'm going to get to those uh, a little bit in the final word. But being uh, what you just said about your your knowledge of of the golf course, you want to walk us through all uh, 36 holes, both at, uh, at 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 Summerlin and then over at uh, uh, Shadow Creek. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, starting off Shadow Creek, par four, a little bit downhill. You want to keep it to the right side of the fairway, a long iron. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to do something a little different with the tour story. Can, can I tell everyone why we're doing it a little different? Because I find it funny. Yeah. Please, because uh, you forgot you had you had an idea and you can't think of what it is and now you're beating yourself up over it. So instead of Absolutely. just coming up with another tour idea and just like pretending it, um, or using our next subject, which we're going to get to Annika in a little bit of the mental games. I'm sure you have a story about Annika, uh, but we're going to talk about tour nightmares, right? And we're going to give someone a driver. Is that what we decided we're going to do? Yeah, that sounds good. Since uh, all right, so we'll we'll give a Maverick driver or a Big Bertha B21 driver, your choice. Um, but what are the People have to tweet you or on Instagram tag you. Uh, what do you want them to tell you? Your their, their worst golfing nightmares? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I had the other week. I had uh, I remembered a, a great tour story that I thought that's that'd be a great one for next episode. And then when I'm sitting down to call you, and I just read through the the transcript, and I go like the tour story. I, I can't for my life remember which one I had lined up, and then. Uh, that's that's like a nightmare in itself, right? And then I thought, well, I have a fun golfing nightmare from when I was a when I was a kid, and I've I've uh, heard a few other ones that I thought I could I could uh, tell to the listeners as well. So I thought if we do that, then they can they can uh, write in uh with some of their golfing nightmares and we'll pick the funniest one or the best one and that's going to be the one who, who gets the driver of their choice so uh, and and the I other just, thing uh, is october is the perfect month for nightmares halloween i mean you 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 really mastered uh this programming well done yeah and now the phone's ringing yeah it's from jacksonville fl yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you get to the uh, Why don't you get to the nightmare before this thing further goes off the train? Off exactly. The yeah. So um, I'd only played golf for a few years, so I'm about 13, I think, at the time. And these golf shoes were like 
they were just the ones I wanted, but my feet, and I still don't have big feet, but they were, they were certainly not, uh, they were not big enough to fit into these men's golf shoes, but I really wanted them. So I, I bought them and I had to put two insoles in and I had double socks just to be able to fit somewhat decent into these golf shoes. But I, I, I certainly look cool. That's what I thought. Because these were the shoes I, I wanted to have. And then because they were quite big, I end up having a nightmare about it. So I'm, I'm standing over a three-foot putt. But when I take the putter back, I hit it into the toes of the golf shoes. Because they're so big. like Ronald McDonald's golf shoes? <laughs> yeah. How big are these shoes? <laughs> that, that's kind of that's <laughs> how it panned out. So in my nightmare... <laughs> I can't hit this three-footer because I, all I keep on hitting with my putter head is, is the tips of, of, of these shoes. And I never made the putt. And I probably woke up like covered in sweat. And oh, my God. It was just like, yeah, so I just that, – that's like one of the few golfing nightmares I can ever re- recall myself having. But it happened when I was 13 and I bought these shoes that were way too big for me and just couldn't make the putts. And – at uh, one occasion, my, my ex-caddy, Gareth, I think he told me he, uh, he, uh, he stood on this green playing an event and he hit the putt and it looks beautiful. And just when it's about to drop into the hole, the hole just like went up into the air and the ball just rolled underneath the hole. And then the cup came back down again. So he's wow. like, oh, that's weird. And then he walked around and he's going to tap it in. And the same thing happened. The hole just kind of vanished and the ball rolled past it. And so it didn't matter what it did. The, the hole just like jumped up into the air and disappeared whenever he hit the putt and he could never finish out. And similar, on, on a similar kind of line, it was someone that, that stood, stood over a putt and just this one grain of sand kind of blew out of the bunker and then he brushes it away. And then there's just a few more coming in and, and it just turned into like a sandstorm and the whole green got covered in bunker sand and, and he just couldn't make the putt either. So, I mean, this game obviously drives us all insane at times and, and these uh, these uh, things uh, just, yeah, happens in our dreams, I guess. So, I'm, I yeah, guess. I'm just interested to hear what, what other people have en- encountered or if we're the only ones that, that have had these crazy dreams. Yeah, I would I would think, you know, there, there's got to be someone who, you know, kind of did a little tin cup and ran out of golf balls or, you know, got to the end of a, a, whether it's a member guest or, you know, club championship or something like that. And just something horrendous happened. We had a guy here who was leading our club championship a couple of years ago and uh, made it like an 11 or 12 with like seven consecutive balls out of bounds off the tee off of a hole. So that was pretty that must be Oof. so. It's really fun when you're playing against him. When you get to that tee, to be like, "Hey, what happened when you uh, were leading the oh, club gosh. championship on this hole?" That's so just those are that's always just mean. That's just yeah. mean. That's a dagger in the back. That that's well. Not, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, nice that's what all. the nightmare is. So so tag Henrik on either Twitter or Instagram. Give us your golfing nightmare, and uh, either on the next pod or maybe we'll keep this one going for two weeks. And uh, answer, maybe we'll share some good ones in two weeks, and then for the Halloween right. edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds good. Yeah, let's let's leave it for the Halloween edition. Yeah. What's to, your What's your costume? What are you dressing up for Halloween this year? Um, uh, I guess I'll just go with that golfer from Dorala. I'm gonna wear those white okay. boxer briefs and and uh, and, a, and a glove and a, and a wedge. Excellent. I was gonna be Tommy Fleetwood. All right. Um, 
mental game, we're going to kind of shift this a little bit. Your neighbor and fellow Swede, Annika, is turning 50 uh, this week on Friday, day after this podcast comes out. Um, certainly her mental fortitude, uh, is, is unmatched, you know, second to none. Um, so I'll just use that as our, why we're talking about her in this section of the podcast, but, um, have you ever talked to her about sort of her mental strength on the golf course and, and, you know, why she was so mentally tough and seemed to be unfazed by everything that, that happened out there that she faced? No, but I think I'll, uh, I'll certainly do it after, after your, you remember it or reminding me about it, uh, I mean, uh, Annika is she's such a competitor, and and I'll be, yeah, be interesting to to hear if she if she would label herself as someone that loves to win or hates to lose. I'm 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 probably more going with the hate to lose. Hates to lose for sure. It's not even close. Yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely uh, go down that that uh, that alley on 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 that end. But uh, I mean, and and it, it's funny because I. Uh, I, I see her every now and again here at Lake Nona, and they're, they're back in town now. And uh, anything from her playing beach volleyball to pickleball, tennis, whatever it is. I mean, she's ultra competitive. So she she's just like a competitive competitor through and through. And and I think it's the the hate to lose that's certainly been been kind of the the driving force on that. And uh, because I mean, ultimately, as a competitor, that you, you want to win, but I think you can kind of draw that line with with people who don't like to lose. So if if I don't lose, then I will win. Or the people who love to win. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, try and try and pick her brains a, a little bit on that. And uh, I mean, throughout her career, I mean, she won so many tournaments and uh, you're not going to do that unless you can control your your emotions and and be good under pressure by by doing what you you need to do. But I'm sure she would feel nerves at times, but uh, she was probably pretty good at hiding that too. And and, um, she would just uh, stick to to her routines and do her things and... uh, if you do that well enough, you, you're going to get the, the outcome you want uh, eventually. Yeah, I, mean, I think the only time we ever really saw a motion uh, that was probably not what she wanted to share was after that opening tee shot at Colonial, that famous walk where she kind of huffs and puffs and almost like kind of pretends like she was gasping for air because uh, certainly the pressure that she felt that whole week and leading in, into that that opening tee shot was, uh, was probably unlike anything else that we had seen at that time. Um, I love that uh, both her kids, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, played in the uh, PGA Junior League, and they both wore jerseys with number 59, which is just awesome. Like, like I mean, <laughs> can you imagine, like, you're just some kid walking up to play. You know, you see Will, you're like, oh, he's not that tall. Yeah, I've probably got a chance. And, like, what number are you wearing, 59? Why? Oh, because my mom's Miss 59. It'd be like your kids walking around, you know, wearing Iceman, you know, uh, uh, on the back of their, their Junior League jerseys, wearing your sunglasses and shoes that are too big, unable to pull the putter back. <laughs> with shoes three three sizes too big yeah at least at least all right well happy 50th Annika uh I'm sure there's gonna yeah, be a absolutely. great happy celebration 50th. that's one of the reasons you're not playing this week you want to be there for the big party I'm sure party party is it a surprise party should we ruin the surprise or not I don't know actually I don't know what's planned I'll, I'll yeah. figure it out exactly exactly all right uh final word our segment where we make a prediction, and if it does come true, we will repeat it over and over. So far, we've not 
been able to repeat uh, our predictions because they have not come true. Um, my big one is kind of taking off of what you advised earlier. Um, Kevin Na. Kevin Na, UNLV, Vegas resident. I'm pretty positive he's going to win one of these next two weeks. He won last year, made, what, like 4 billion feet of putts. Uh, set the all-time record, I think, for most feet of putts made in, in a single event. Uh, I think he's going to win one of the next two two events. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good pick. Um, I think uh, I think we've got uh, uh, Scott Piercy is living out there, too. Yeah. yeah. A lot of players. Maverick McNeely lives there. He could be a sneaky pick. But I'll, I'll take uh, Scott Piercy then for, for this first week. Uh, okay. We got to bear in mind then that, that we have a full field this week here, and then yep. next week is a limited, limited field of field. seventy-eight. And I don't know, to be honest, uh, how many guys that are playing both weeks. I don't think there's going to be a, a huge number playing both weeks no. uh, necessarily. No. So uh, uh, that that could make it harder to to find a, a double winner for sure. But uh, let's uh, let's stick with the with the Vegas residents uh, this week here, sure. and then we'll see if they can deliver. I like it, and and I also think that it, that a shadow, um, which which hasn't been seen too many times by these players, uh, other than those who play like in those MGM outings or whatever, the greens are have real subtle breaks in them, um, real real subtle breaks. So it's one of those things where if you have and have played it before, uh, you may have a little bit of an advantage being able to kind of figure some of that stuff out because you know the whole golf course they they basically sunk it into the desert um, and built it in like a pit, so everything's completely man made. It's pretty pretty cool spot, pretty mm-hmm. cool spot. Excellent. All right, Henrik. Well, we have almost gone an hour. Um, can you just teach me one last thing in Swedish? How do I say happy birthday to Annika in Swedish? Uh, grattis på födelsedagen. Yeah, we did that last week with uh, Lex on the podcast. So I just want to make sure it hadn't changed. Because I never know yeah. if you're messing with me when you tell me these things, but that's exactly what you said last time. So I feel better now. Yeah, but I, I told you I told you not a bad one last time. You did. And, and I think that was still in there because I, I had a reply from one of my friends back in Sweden. Yeah, it's it great a, when we kind of sneak something in there and then and then the censors don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, All right. Henrik, thanks I'll so much for this time. Thank spending you. this time. Uh, in two weeks, we will be back. We will get kind of your take on uh, what did happen for the two weeks in Vegas. Uh, hopefully we'll get an update on the uh, the spin numbers on the six iron and maybe even on a seven iron. I would I would like to give our listeners that update. And let's see if you end up practicing uh, any more putting with the eyes closed. Yeah, excellent. I'll, I'll stick with it. All right, well, maybe we'll do the next podcast with our eyes closed. <laughs> Isn't that what we've done all the time? It seems like it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Take care, guys. <laughs>